Well, late last night, I uh, received a text message in a group message uh, from Angie Kane that said, Help! Jimmy's throwing up and has a stomach bug. Can someone please teach for him tomorrow? And I think because I'm the new guy, I'm the one that drew the short straw. And uh, so I'm up here two weeks in a row, and I'm, I'm thankful to get to be up here, although unplanned. Uh, I'm excited to see all of you. So thanks for being here this morning. It's great to see each one of you. If you're visiting and you're here for the first time or you're watching online for the first time, uh, I'm not the normal guy, so come back next week and it'll get a lot better. Uh, but with that being said, uh, today I want to talk to you about something specific. Uh, my wife and I, as I told you last week, we enjoy television, we enjoy movies, we specifically enjoy Marvel movies, and this past weekend, uh, the long-awaited 10-year waiting movie called Black Widow, starring Scarlett Johansson, finally hit theaters after a pandemic and many other appearances. And, uh, and I was gone, and so we didn't get to go to the premiere, so we're going on Tuesday, and the anticipation of getting to go see this movie we've been waiting for for a really long time got me thinking about how it always seems like during the summertime they put out these blockbuster movies that people remember for a very, very long time. And typically in some of the greatest movies that I watch, there is a theme that always gets me really enjoying a movie, and it is at the end of the movie, they have, as you can see what's on screen, a plot twist that you don't ever see coming. I remember watching uh, a few movies that I thought I had it figured out, and then within the last seven to ten minutes of the movie, the entire thing gets turned upside down, and I realized I didn't actually know what was happening at all. So here's what I'd like for you to do, and just in the spirit of maybe having fun, it is summer, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, you can have fun. Okay, more than four of you say that. It's okay. Say, turn to your neighbor and say, you can have fun. Now listen, I just want to talk to you for a second. It's all right to talk in church. I know some of you grew up, and it was like, if you're like me, if you talked in church, it was like, pow, right on the lake. It's okay. That's not going to happen. Well, I'm not going to guarantee this to you. But I won't do that to you. So uh, here's what I want to do. I have three things. I have three movie plots that are in the classification of having a really good plot twist at the end of it. And I would like to see if you or someone in the room can tell me what this plot twist is, basically by telling me what the name of the movie is. All right, here we go. Here's the first one. And I put this in really small font, and I'm getting old, so i got to hold it when I read it. It says this, U.S. Marshal Teddy Daniels attempts to track down an escaped mental patient, Rachel Solando, who is responsible for the murder of her three children. But the plot twist is, is that the U.S. detective is actually in a mental institute and tracking down the woman is an attempt for him to gain his sanity. Shutter Island is the correct movie. Well done. Okay, starring Leonardo DiCaprio. Crazy movie. You haven't seen it? Amazing turnaround. Here's the next one. After a home invasion, Dr. Malcolm Crow, a child psychologist, returns to work by attempting to help a young boy who sees dead people. The Sixth Sense, yes. And then the plot twist in that is He's actually dead. That's the reason that the boy can see him. Maybe I should tell you, I'm going to ruin these movies for you. 
if you haven't. That's my fault for not starting and leading with that. That's on me for doing that. So uh, and if you haven't seen those movies, none of that happens. You should still see them. <clears throat> anyway, uh, and then this is a little bit of a newer one. While on a date, a young boy who is the movie's hero discovers that his love interest father is actually the villain he's been chasing the entire movie. He also finds out because the father knows the main character's secret identity. Spider-Man Homecoming is correct. I remember when we saw that movie in theaters, it was one of the moments where he's sitting in the back of his car and the dad is dropping them off for like this formal homecoming prom type of dance. And he tells the daughter to go in and he says, essentially, I know who you are and this is your last chance to not do it, to not come and stop me from what I'm doing. It's this moment where he's completely vulnerable and he has no way out of this situation except for just to comply with what's happening. And I love a good plot twist at the end of a movie. Because I don't know if you're like me, but I'm the type of person that loves to try and figure out how the movie is going to end. Is anyone else like that? As you're watching a movie, you want to try and figure out, you know, my wife does not enjoy this about me. She'll tell me to be quiet often because I'll try to call out what happens in a movie. She's like, I'm here to watch the movie, not listen to you, which is fine. I understand that. But plot twists are amazing because they make for powerful moments in a movie. They make for memorable moments in a movie. And they're powerful because everything you thought you knew is actually shaken up a bit. And after you rewatch the movie, you can kind of see the details about what was leading up to. And once you know what the end result is, you can look at it and go, I can see throughout this movie how that was being set up the whole time. However, plot twists that happen in real life are not as enjoyable. When you think you know what's going on, when you have a really good handle on the situation, the plot twists that happen in life, they're not as fun. They maybe are just as memorable, but they're definitely not as fun or enjoyable because often plot twists that happen in real life can make for painful moments that we weren't ready for, nor do we know how to get out of. And so today, I want to, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 37, because I want to read through the story, unless, at least a little bit of the story, of a man by the name of Joseph, and to let you see what plot twist in the story of Scripture happens, because it is one of my favorites in Scripture. Now, uh, a little quick backstory. Uh, Joseph's dad, whose name is Jacob, or later to become Israel, is kind of one of the original, uh, he's one of the OGs in the Bible, right? When Jesus is talked about, uh, they reference him down in the lineage and Jacob's name gets mentioned. And in the Old Testament, they refer to God as God is uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a very well-known person in the story of the Old Testament. And he has some sons and one of them's name is Joseph. Now, a little bit about Joseph. He is the baby of the family. He's the youngest sibling. Those of you that have older siblings know how annoying the younger sibling can be. I will confess I'm a baby of the family, so I don't believe that we are annoying. I think we are just using our birthright to be able to annoy the older siblings, but that's fine. So Joseph is the older one. He has the, the youngest one. He has this dream. He comes to his brothers. He says, I had a dream that one day you guys were all going to be bowing down before me in submission. As you can imagine, that doesn't really go over well with the older brothers. And his dad gives him this coat of many colors. You might have seen the musical Joseph and the 
amazing technicolor dream coat, right? So he's got this thing, he's got this coat. His brothers are not very happy with him, so much so that this is what happens. Starting in verse 12, if you have your Bibles, read along with me. His brothers had gone to pasture their father's flock at Shechem, and Israel, who we know is Jacob, said to Joseph, your brothers, you know, they're, they're pasturing the flocks at Shechem. Get ready, I'm sending you to them. Well, I'm ready, Joseph replied. Then Israel said to him, go and see how your brothers and the flocks are doing and bring word back to me. So he went from the Hebron Valley and he went to Shechem. A man found him there wandering in the field and asked him, Why, what are you looking for? Verse 16, he says, well, I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph said. Can you tell me where they are pasturing their flocks? Well, they've moved on from here, the man said. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph set out after his brothers and found them at Dothan. In verse 18, here's where it picks up. His brothers, they saw him in the distance, and before they had reached them, they plotted to kill him. Wow, that's not a very good family get-together, right? The youngest one comes rolling down the street, and the whole family's like, this is our time, let's do this, let's kill him. Not like, hey, let's make his life miserable, but rather let's end his life. Wow. Okay. Verse 19, they said to one another, look, here he comes, that dream expert translate that. Here comes that annoying little brother who thinks that he knows it all. So now, come on, let's kill him. We'll throw him into one of these pits, and we can say that a vicious animal ate him, and then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Now, notice in this phrasing here, like, we want to kill him. Here comes that guy. Let's see what happens when we do this, the guy who thinks he knows it all. There's this, something that happens in the life of his brothers that as he's coming just begins to stir up. And in this moment, they, they put this crazy, crazy plan into place. When, when Reuben heard this, he's one of the brothers, he tried to save him from them. And he said, let's not take his life. Do you guys have that family member at family get-togethers? When people start to get back and forth with each other and there's like the one peacemaker family member. It's like, guys, guys, come on. It's Thanksgiving. Do we have to do this every time? Reuben is that family member that's like, guys, come on. We, there's got to be something else we can do. Let's not do this. So he said to them, don't shed blood. Throw him into the pit in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Intending to rescue him from them and return to his father. When Joseph came to his brothers... They stripped off his beautiful, beautiful robe, the robe of many colors that he had on, and they took him, threw him into the pit. The pit was empty without water. Some translations would say they threw him into a well that didn't have water. And I've never jumped into a well before with no water, but I don't imagine that's a pleasant experience. Although it is Monroe County, there's a chance you might know someone who has jumped into a well without water or a pit without water. There's, there's, There's a chance that could happen. We see this story of Joseph's life unfold. And all anecdotes and kidding aside, Joseph walks into this situation thinking one thing, and his brothers have a completely different plan for him. Joseph is completely blindsided by what is getting ready to happen to him and when it happens to him. And I'm just wondering this morning... If you know what that feels like, to have, you don't have to answer this out loud, but do you know what this is like because you've trusted someone and then they broke that trust and did something to hurt you? 
Or have you ever been a part of a situation to where you thought you knew what was going on and the rug just got pulled out from underneath you? Have you ever maybe had a small plot twist in what you thought you knew was happening and what was going on? Like, think about it. And if we're being really honest, maybe the question is, uh, have you ever, maybe that's not the right question, maybe the real question is, when have you had that happen? Because as much as we would like to put on our really good church clothes and pretend like things are great, the reality is we all honestly live our lives. We go through some chaotic and hectic situations in our lives. This past week I was visiting my mom in the hospital and uh, they came in and uh, she, had to, um, she had to sign the form that she wanted filled out. It was a DNR, a do not resuscitate form. It's a very humbling experience to sit next to your parent and sign the line that you understand her wishes that they won't resuscitate her if something crazy happens. Or I remember several years ago when my wife and I uh, received a phone call that her mom was going to be put in hospice because of her battle with breast cancer and had just had days to live. And as we're trying to find air airfare and places for her to stay for a way to get down there her cousin called and stopped everything and said uh, your mom has passed away and I remember sitting there as, as as a minister who's supposed to have all the answers and have it all figured out and not having any words and my wife asking me if you could just just pray right now and feeling super inadequate to be able to pray in that moment See, it's not, it's not if a situation has happened, right? It's when did a situation happen. And maybe right now for you, I don't know hardly any of you in this room, maybe right now you are in the middle of this kind of moment. I would guarantee there's someone in this room who's in some kind of moment where the rug has been pulled out from underneath them or relationships that they thought were going to be how they wanted them to be are not going to be that way. See, plot twists that happen in our lives, where they're typically defining moments that we look back on later and can point to where a change happened or something happened that we'll never forget for the rest of our lives. And Joseph's life becomes wildly different after this moment. In fact, after this, he gets sold into slavery. And while he's in slavery, he does really good and works his way up to where the guy who's in charge of everything named Potiphar brings him into his own house. And then Potiphar's wife makes some accusations because she wants to sleep with him. And because he won't, because he's a man of God and he has character and integrity, she lies and gets him thrown into prison. And while he's in prison, he continues to live out his faith and belief in God and he works his way back up to being Uh, in a pretty prominent position in his life. And it seems like in the life of of Joseph, we have the up and the down and the up and the down and plot twist after plot twist after plot twist. And I just want to say the events that have led up to whatever situation you're in right now, whatever maybe your latest plot twist has been in your life, I want to encourage you that maybe, just maybe, or at least I believe, that they are a part of a bigger story that God is weaving together that maybe you don't know right now. I mean, 
Here's a plot twist for you, and I just want to remind you, each situation you go through, God's not surprised by it. Like, God isn't sitting up in heaven going, oh, myself, what is happening right now? I did not see this coming, right? God's not up in heaven doing that. We here on earth are living it out, going through these moments, and we are absolutely taken back by them. But God is not up in heaven surprised by anything because I believe wholeheartedly that every situation we go through is, in fact, a part of a bigger story that God is weaving together that we don't know about. In chapter 45 of Genesis, we pick up this next part of Joseph's story. Another thing that happens, Joseph becomes second in charge of everything and all people in Egypt because of his favor that he has found by living out his faith in front of the right, the right people. And crazy thing happens, there's a famine that sweeps through the entire area. Nobody has food, nobody has water, but Joseph has been ridiculously smart and wise about doing things, and so he, well, the things he's in charge of, there's a ton of them left. In fact, that the people he's in charge of, they're not hungry because there's no famine for them because Joseph has managed well the responsibilities that he's been given. And Jacob his father, who's still alive, but thinks that his son is dead, does something crazy. He sends his other sons. He says, we've heard that this leader over here has plenty of resources. I'm going to send you, all of my remaining children, to go and talk to him to see if we might be saved and rescued. Are you watching this movie and understanding this setup here? The brothers think he's dead. He's not. The father thinks he's dead. He's not. He has everything that he needs to be able to help, and God has placed him in this position. Let's read verses four, chapter 45, verses 1 through 8. So, Joseph could no longer keep his composure in front of all of his attendants. What does that mean? His brothers came. He said, well, you should go and do this, and then go and do this. And, oh, by the way, is, is your father still alive? Well, if that's the case, you should go and do this. Classic younger brother move just plays a little bit of a game with them first. Uh, before he talks to them. He says this. He called out. He said, send everyone away from me. And so no one was with him when he revealed his identity to his brothers. But he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it. And also Pharaoh's household heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But they could not answer him because they were terrified in his presence. They just literally couldn't believe what their eyes were seeing and their ears were hearing. Verse 4, then Joseph said to the brothers, please, please come here, come near. I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves for selling me here because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land for these two years, and there will be five more years without plowing or harvesting. God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God has made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of the entire household, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Joseph looks at his brothers and says, it's all right. 
Because what you did actually was just God taking care of it way further down the road than we ever could have imagined. Don't be afraid. Because the situation that you put me in, it's all right because God took care of it. He did it so that later on down the road, I would be able to take care of you. You see, chaos and confusion and suffering for what seems like no reason at all is dejecting, it's depressing, and it's absolutely exhausting. However, chaos, confusion, and suffering, while knowing there's a purpose behind all of it, creates optimism, conviction, and strengthens your faith. You see, when we, when we talk about movies, if your life was a movie, you are, you are like an active director on the scene of the film. You get to say what goes here, what goes here. We're going to reshoot this. We're going to try this again. We're going to do this. But here's the best part. God, well, he's the story writer. He's the one who wrote the script. He's the one that came up with the story. And your job is to just simply follow his directions as best you can to make the whole thing come together. The things that you're going through, the things that you're experiencing in your life, that you're trying to figure out, God has already way in advance knows what's going on. And it's our job as people who love Jesus to trust in him, to walk out our faith every day faithfully, and to trust that the details we think we know that maybe change aren't as important as we think that they might need to be. God is in the business of plot twists. God is in the business of plot twists in our lives because he knows better for us than what we ever could. And that's hard to imagine sometimes. Let me read for you this this last few verses in Genesis chapter 50 as we wrap up today. So they've gone, they've buried Jacob. He finally gets to to take care of all those things. His brothers are sending him a letter and making sure like, hey, please, you know, don't, don't take wrath out on us. In verse 19, it says this, but Joseph said to them, but don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Meaning I, I can't do that. Verse 20, you planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. What you intended for evil, God used for good. What you intended for chaos and confusion, God said, no, no, I'm orchestrating all of this. The plot twist you didn't see coming, whatever got to you to there, God said, don't worry, I'm turning all of this in the direction that I want your story to go. And when you look in this book right here, we see a lot of these. The Apostle Paul walks out and becomes a follower of Jesus and aggressively goes and shares the gospel. And he gets into places and people don't like to hear about it. And so they throw him in prison, assuming if we throw him in prison, that'll be the end of it. Plot twist. While Paul's in prison, they give him pen and paper 
and he begins to write letters all throughout the world, and he's able to cover more ground by writing letters than he ever was traveling in person. And God used that to reach thousands and thousands and people that he never would have been able to just by foot. Plot twist, the early church The early church is worshiping together, and then all of a sudden this crazy persecution happens, and they scatter all throughout the earth. And the people think, all right, they've disbanded, they're spread out, great, that whole problem is is solved. Plot twist, that's actually just what Jesus wanted them to do, go to the ends of the earth and make disciples of all nations. Jesus makes enough people mad that they decide they want to kill him. And so they execute a terrible trial that's not fair. They whip and they beat him. They nail him to the cross. And after hours of hanging there, they take his body down and he is dead. They put him in the grave. And Pharaoh or not Pharisees, the Pharisees, they thought this thing is over with. We don't have to worry about it. Satan himself thought this thing is over with. He's done. Plot twist, he's not. He's actually not done at all. He's just getting started because he raises from the dead. And because of that single act, all of us have hope and a future. And the cross, and what this element represents right here is one of the biggest plot twists we could ever find in our lives. That the person who doesn't deserve grace because they make mistake, plot twist, Jesus says you do deserve it. So I don't know what's going on in your life right now. And, and, and I don't know the details of the situations that you're in, but I just want to encourage you this morning that there have been multiple times in my life where after I can go back and look what happened before a situation, I can see where God was at work. And I just want to give you some encouragement and hope this morning, whether you're in this room or if you're watching online. I believe that there will be a day where you look back and you can go, I can see where God was at work every step of the way. So I'm praying this morning that as you take communion, as you take a few moments, just spend some time in prayer, that you would be able to, in faith and in trust and in hope, say, God, I believe in you. I trust you with what's going on. I know you're writing this story. And I can't wait to see the plot twist that you're going to put in here. Take these few moments now. We have communion over here. We have it over here and up here. And maybe for you, you just take a stop over here at the altar to spend some time in prayer before you take communion this morning. Jesus, we thank you that the story that you are writing in our lives is is not done because you're not done with us. We thank you for past evidence that even though it might feel like the rug has been pulled out from under us, that it might seem like chaos and craziness are happening, we're thankful for the reminder that what someone or something wants to use for evil, that you are a good God and so you use it for good.
We thank that you are a God who has not left us, but you walk alongside of us. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, who laid down his life in one of the greatest plot twists ever so that we could find ours. That his body was broken and his blood was shed so that we might be made whole. We give you these next few moments as an act of worship to thank you for that sacrifice. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.